My name's Callie with Roanoke Regional Chamber. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I just want to welcome our moderator for this panel. Dr. Kay Dunkley is here with us and we're very excited to have her. If you have not had the privilege of meeting Miss Kay, I hope that you take the opportunity to do that today. Um, you may know her formerly from Virginia Tech Roanoke Center, but she is now the director of the Roanoke Higher Education Center. She's an awesome advocate for business in the Roanoke region, and she's given me the cut, but I will say you should ask her about what a wonderful ballet dancer that she is. Kay, thank you so much for thank being you. here. Thank Join you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, the, the thing about Callie and I is that we go back so far, we, we know a lot of secrets and we know uh, a lot of uh, past events. Uh, welcome to our session. Yes, we do understand that we are the last thing holding you from the Carabas lunch. So uh, we ensure, however, that you're going to be learning a lot. Remember, the, the, the name of our session this evening is Managing the Future of Our Region. And I first want to say to our panelists, thank you for your willingness to be with us. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to share information about your opinions and your perspectives. Um, seated to my left is, uh, first of all, Hal Irvin. Hal Irvin uh, with Virginia Tech Carilion Health Sciences and Technology Campus. Brett Vassy, Virginia Manufacturers Association. Pete Eshelman, Roanoke Outside and Bob Fulginzi with Supply Chain Visitors. As we know, the Chamber's mission is to um, promote growth among our businesses and industries so that we can create a community where we all want to live, work, and play. So we know, uh, we know what's going on presently, and these four individuals are going to tell us a little bit about that. But we also need to know about how you, within your own individual organization, can plan for the future. And uh, uh, after having a phone conference with these four distinguished guests, I can tell you that we are in for a treat. I'd like for each of you, if you would, to lead off with kind of an opening statement. And I'm going to start with Hal, and we'll just kind of go down the line. Bob, sorry, you're going to be last this time, okay? And then we're going to get started with three questions of which we will ask all four to respond. And if there's time, Callie and Joyce, we will open up to questions from the audience, and we'll see how that goes. Hal, will you start off for us, please? Yes, thank you, Kay, and it's really a pleasure to be with you all today. So I work uh, on my business card. It says Virginia Tech. So I'm with Virginia Tech, but I work with Virginia Tech Korean and the partnership there. And my job is focused on partnerships and on outreach. We're very much like a startup organization. We're just seven years old. The building, the Virginia Tech Run Research Institute and the School of Medicine, which will become the ninth college of Virginia Tech next July of uh, 2018, are, uh, were built in 2010, so we're very new. So because of that, it's very important that we establish good partnerships and relationships uh, with lots of different entities, both businesses and, and other universities. And so that's my focus. There are select relationships that I work to develop Truly, the key relationship that's built this whole thing and made it so successful is a relationship with Korea. And without that, uh, we wouldn't be where we are. Uh, I'm Brett Vassy. I'm the CEO of the Virginia Manufacturers Association. I also wear a uh, separate hat, which is a real hardship. I'm the CEO of the Virginia Craft Brewers Guild. Uh, my waistline will say something about that. That's a different story. Um, 
I'm fortunate that um, I've been at this role for about 15 years. I've worked with Joyce uh, Waugh during that entire uh, period, and you're very fortunate to have such an active regional chamber and a good leader. Um, it doesn't exist all over the state, I can tell you that. So uh, thank you, Joyce, for having me. Um, manufacturing in Virginia, we are about 5,800 companies, about 3% of uh, all uh, businesses in Virginia, about 230,000 employees uh, doing well. We actually grew out of the recession. People oftentimes have a misperception that um, manufacturing is all going to China. Um, in Virginia, we actually reversed that trend. We're one of the few states that did that. We grew out of the recession. Uh, but right now, our uh, sector produces uh, more than we ever have in history with half the number of employees. Um, and let me give you another little snippet, since you are really the center of the universe uh, for the next largest craft brewer in the Commonwealth, uh, Deschutes, building a large facility. We have grown in five years just in craft beer from about 27 breweries to about 190 breweries, from about $200 million impact to a $1.3 billion impact just in that industry of the manufacturing sector. So you have a number of really good things going on in this region. We're very proud of what this region has done to turn the corner and start with some redevelopment. And um, I'm very excited to be here, and I'll save the rest of my comments for thank, later. Thank you, Brent. Pete? I like beer. <laughs> so, um, my name is Pete Eshelman, and I actually wear also a couple hats. Um, uh, Roanoke Outside is kind of more my more what I'm known for is public facing, but that's actually an initiative that grew out from the Roanoke Regional Partnership. And with that, um, which is the Regional Economic Development Organization, and my role is basically to leverage our, our natural assets, mounts, mountains, lakes, rivers, trails, to attract business, investment, and talent uh, using that. So Deschutes Brewery is, is a great example of how we were able to leverage our natural assets to attract talent and investment to the area. I'm Bob Volgensi. I work with Supply Chain Visions. As the name implies, we work with large organizations, public sector and private, to help optimize and risk manage their supply chain. Uh, in recent years, we've taken many of the principles there to improve the supply and distribution for organizations and apply that to regional economic development. So aggregating those uh, supply chain maps, uh, the demand and supply side, and using that to target economic development activity. And also, I'm one of the outsiders in this area, so I don't know Roanoke that well, so every question will be an outside perspective. Well, we're also looking at region, the region as a whole, so I think you will play a valuable role here today, Bob. Okay, let's lead off with our first question, and I'm going to ask Brett to go first, followed by Bob, Hal, and Pete. First question for you today. As we come off of one of the most successful economic years in Virginia's Blue Ridge in comparison to years past, how would you forecast the state of your industry five years from now? Um, the state of our industry is, uh, we're actually projecting growth. Um, that's usually shocks people when they hear that. Um, the challenge is how you define growth. We define growth a little differently than traditional economic development. We're not looking at an industry with a wholesale 100% jump in employment. That's just not what we're forecasting. Um, we have the oldest workforce in the Commonwealth. So what we're looking at is just trying to replace what retires over the next five years. 
So we won't see a large jump in employment, but what we will see is a wholesale fundamental change in the type of employment. We're in the middle of that transition right now from a more labor intensive to a more technology intensive transition and a much higher skilled workforce. Um, it is our number one challenge. Um, the region that competes to win the worker of the future will win the factory investment of the future. That is the fact of our industry. Um, and in the next five years, you're going to see fundamental changes in the type of technology that are used in those factories. The investments in those, they'll be smaller, have a much higher output, and uh, fundamentally, we're going to see a smaller footprint um, of factories. That's just the nature of the, of the factory of the future. So um, I think you're, in a, you're poised in this region to see some growth. Food uh, and beverage is the largest manufacturing industry out of 19 different industries. And you have plentiful water, you have reliable power, you have a great environment to live, work, and play. So there's no reason you can't be a competitor in that growth. Uh, we see that as a potential in this region. Bob, would you add on, please? Certainly. I'll speak to industry in general in the Blue Ridge area. I mean, given that you've had such a successful year in growth in recent times, when the rest of the country had somewhat moderate or spotty growth, uh, I think it's indicative that this area is well poised. Now, five years is a, is a long time to forecast anything in economics. Uh, uh, ask the Soviet Union. It didn't work out well for them. Five-year plans never worked. Uh, but uh, given the success the area's had and surrounded by areas that have been fairly moderately successful, I think the people in this room, the people in the chamber, the various development organizations, higher education have all contributed to that success. And if you can keep that energy going, I see this area is continuing to grow at a better rate than uh, surrounding regions. I'm going to include uh, Blacksburg and the New River Valley in the region because I think uh, with the Virginia Tech partnership, that's an important uh, relationship there. Virginia Tech's uh, leadership has identified an enrollment plan to increase the student body by 5,000 students in uh, the total operation. And so included in that is a plan to, inc to increase the population here in Roanoke by between 500 and 1,000, depending on the time frame that you look at. So the medical students are already here. We have a PhD program here, but we'll be growing the student uh, presence here. And that'll have an impact on the development of the, of the town. The, uh, the, also, there's, there's a significant amount of investment going on with a new building that's being built, uh, funding from the state, also co-investment from Virginia Tech and Caribbean Clinic. It'll be the second major uh, building that we have here together. And in addition, Caribbean has its own plans to grow and I have no doubt that we'll continue to seek opportunities to, to grow our operations here. The big question will be from the standpoint of the Roanoke Innovation Corridor and the discussions about what that's going to look like, how much commercialization actually comes out of the Virginia Tech Korean Partnership and our ability to attract uh, life science and biotech companies into the region to help grow even more. So that's something we'll talk about a little bit more. But, but any projection, the base between Virginia Tech and Carillion is strong. We expect continued growth, same in Blacksburg, and then what we do beyond that is still to be determined. You know, as they alluded, um, you know, we're going to see growth in, in the sectors that support all of the, you know, the recent, you know, new jobs and investment that we've experienced this past year. So food and beverage, advanced manufacturing, tourism, and then the healthcare and research sector. And, you know, as Brett alluded to, um, 
you know, talent is the future currency. That's what we say in our office. And so a lot of focus, you know, needs going forward is going to be focused on talent attraction, retention, and workforce development. And, you know, our role in that is basically using the quality of life uh, to attract that talent, help retain that talent. And it's something that distinguishes our community, you know, when we're being compared against other communities, uh, something that makes us stand out. Um, but again, I think you're going to hear my theme throughout uh, this, this topic focused on talent. Very good. Very good. Interesting, interesting comments. Uh, so we heard from you that um, uh, technology will definitely play a role in, in the, uh, the jobs and the work of the future. What, 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 are, what are the statistics telling us now that uh, the jobs of the future in five and ten years that we really don't know what they are? We do know the skill sets that are needed, but exactly what job clusters and sectors uh, are yet to be determined. Um, we know that our food and beverage is definitely on the increase. Uh, succession planning, I think you mentioned, Brett, is important to us, but workforce training, recruitment, and retention. Uh, what the innovation corridor will bring to us, Hal, you know, we're all excited about seeing how the growth of, of commercialization of, of the sciences and technology in Roanoke, so we appreciate your point of view. Let's move on to uh, question number two, and I'm going to ask Bob if he would take the lead followed by Brett, Pete, and then Hal. Earlier today, in one of our sessions, we learned about the importance of infrastructure to our region's future. What would you add as a second factor in setting our region up for success? Well, first, I'd agree wholeheartedly that infrastructure is essential to uh, economic development and the infrastructure investments being made in this area uh, will pay off, but infrastructure development by itself, I do disagree with the concept, if you build it, they will come. It takes a lot more than that. And among those things to address, it depends on what type of growth you're trying to target. Bringing companies in, landing co corporate relocations and new plant development, always a valuable thing to do in your community, uh, such as bringing into Such Brewery, very valuable jobs brought into the, into the area. But in addition to that, you want to look at how do you uh, support the existing businesses in the area, ensure that you don't have business decay with the existing uh, businessmen, businesswomen in the area. How do we recruit and develop and grow our new entrepreneurs out of our young people in the area? Uh, and then also, how do we improve tourism and, and uh, make it at Roanoke an attractive area to retire? And I think there are a number of areas you invest in those beyond um, the uh, infrastructure. Um, one area that stands out when any company is considering relocation or any retiree is considering moving to the area, uh, crime rate. And Roanoke uh, area has done a tremendous job in improving the crime statistics and the overall security in the area. But it still stands out as being right on par with national average. And whatever your police force, your police chief, your sheriff's department and supporting agencies have been doing, during that rapid decline in crime in this area down needs to continue. Uh, these are numbers that people look at very closely. Uh, they consider that before relocating to an area. So I, I would keep that in mind. Uh, transparency in tax and regulations, local regulations in particular, uh, not suggesting that you minimize or reduce uh, the regulation on signage for businesses and that sort of thing, but you make it very transparent in a known quantity. 
uh, entrepreneurs, small business people, uh, people opening retail shops, struggle in most communities with how much is it going to cost me to upgrade this building? What needs to be done? What's it going to cost and how soon can I get a sign out on the street? Can I set up tables in front of my restaurant or not on the sidewalk? What's the rule? And the, the answer typically is, well, there's a lot of things you have to consider. This could take a while. There's a lot of different things to look at. So not necessarily changing the rules, as many of those rules exist for very good reason, public safety, uh, attractiveness of the downtown area, but making that very accessible, very transparent, and a very clear process to navigate in both terms of cost and time. Uh, continuing development to uh, your entrepreneurs that are in the area and the ones that are up and coming. Uh, the greatest single greatest uh, positive for a new entrepreneur is other entrepreneurs. So networking events such as the chamber puts together, uh, the development programs such as Scale Up in the area. Uh, these, these are programs that bring aspiring entrepreneurs together, help them with the technical skills they need, but most importantly with a network and a group of resources that they can rely on each other. That sort of economic development has been successful here and I think it's as key as uh, infrastructure development for the future. Thank you, Bob. Brett? I'll take a little uh, off on some of that comment and, and in a little different direction when we look at some of the fundamentals. Manufacturers today, what used to be, and I'm a recovering economic developer, I was 15 years ago, uh, so I can say some of these things. Um, you know, economic development tends to focus on the, the the business environment, like reliable, affordable energy, water, and sewer, as if it is something special. That's not special anymore. It's a fundamental. And I would even throw broadband in there, that if you don't have all of those things, you're not even in the game for a modern factory or for, or for expansion or investment. Those are just considered table stakes. Um, what differentiates a region um, or a state is how we deal with talent and taxation. Those are, those are things that are difficult. They're hard to do because we have an education system that is primarily in this country focused on uh, college or bust, and there are, there are very few career pathways other than that. And 65% of the future jobs for the manufacturing sector, and that's all manufacturers, are in middle skills occupations. That's more than a high school diploma, but less than a four-year degree. Clearly, some higher education and probably an industry credential, or many, over their lifetime. And um, the region has got to be part of that, and we're sitting in one of the community colleges that actually understands that. We just have to start pumping out the volume that this industry needs uh, for this region. We're not quite there yet. Uh, we, ha we have got to get that right. Taxation is one that we always just throw away as we can't do it. We, we can't do it. We can't change the tax on technology on manufacturers. Virginia is one of the last states in the country to tax the machinery and tools of a factory. It is a hundred-year-old tax that should have gone away 60 years ago, but we just can't wean ourselves off of it. So what we end up doing in economic development in this state is we pick winners and losers. We bring in a new company, we give them a tax benefit, they get the benefit of investing in technology where others may not. We've got to get around that, and slowly Virginia localities are getting on that picture. Uh, we've got Virginia Beach, Stafford County, a number of others that are just getting rid of it so that they can be in that competitive posture and it's not uh, a barrier for new investments or the growth of their existing manufacturers when they have to invest in technology to survive. So I would say 
ta taxation and technology, um, and the issue of talent development, specifically in middle skills and industry credentials, um, with career pathways being part of that. That's the future for us, and I think this region is is on its way. It can do that. I'll just piggyback again on the talent again and workforce development. I mean, that's uh, the the communities that are successful in filling that middle skills gap, getting the, the people you know connected to get those training and resources are going to be successful. Those communities that are successful in attracting the talent and retaining the talent, those are the ones that are going to experience economic success going forward in the future. Uh, so it's really important that we have a focus on that uh, going forward. And it's something that our office is going to be focused on over the next couple of years because we recognize that. Um, you know, the work here that's going on in our community colleges are phenomenal. Uh, how do we get more people enrolled in those programs, starting with K through 12, is going to be a focus. Um, so I think that is, is, is really important to us. I also think the continued uh, investment in product, and by product I mean real estate, uh, that meets the demands of today's businesses. You know, businesses are moving fast today. They don't have the patience uh, to sit around and wait for you to take a, you know, a, a rolly hilly site and grade it down and get it ready for them. Over 50% of the inquiries that we receive through our office, and what I mean by that is, you know, businesses from outside of the area that are considering, you know, relocating or expanding here, over 50% of those are looking for 50 plus acre sites. And we really don't have any of those. And they're not just looking for 50 acres. They're looking for 50 acres that's flat and ready to go. Um, and so that's why you know, the regional cooperation is really strong here. And, and, and the Western Virginia Regional Industrial Facilities Authority was formed uh, to acquire the land. And so they're working on that. You know, Franklin County is working on a 550-acre park uh, to basically meet the demand uh, that we're seeing from these businesses. Uh, so um, I just share that with you so that you're aware of that and the importance behind that. And then the last, you know, kind of a little bit more selfishly for the other hat I wear um, is that infrastructure can also mean uh, outdoor infrastructure. So access to the outdoors, uh, you know, how, do, you know, rivers and trails are more than just dirt and water. You know, they're their own economic generators. Uh, they help with the talent attraction and retention. And there's ways as a community that we're focused on improving access to the outdoors, whether that's more greenways, more bike lanes. Uh, on May 24th, if you're, if you're available at 10 a.m., down the city market building, uh, the bike share program is being unveiled. So we're going to have bike shares kind of coming to the city. So things like that that are really focused on making or improving the vitality of our community is going to translate to help us with the town attraction down the line. And I want to pick up on several things you all said about entrepreneurs. And, and I really believe that the entrepreneurial um, community is part of the vitality of the region. It's going to be important to develop. I've worked for 35 years in higher education at various institutions, and my experiences with academics, the scientists, and engineers, they're not naturally inclined towards entrepreneurial activity. So they, they once, but then once they find out more about it and they get more engaged in it, often they'll, they'll, they'll think about ideas to commercialize what they're working on. And so that means that we have to work harder, I think, uh, here to help connect them with people like you, uh, business people who know how to get started in a business and help them uh, develop their ideas in a way that has some kind of commercial viability. One example of that, we've got a couple of board members here, Sam and Bart. We're a part of the RAMP board. It's the new Roanoke-Blacksburg uh, Business Accelerator. And it's, it's an example of a partnership. We've got Virginia Western heavily involved in that. City of Roanoke, the state, uh, has been involved. We've got several business uh, leaders who are engaged in the process. We just announced our first cohort in the Business Accelerator. Five, uh, six companies have been accepted into the RAMP program. 
And a lot of what we will be doing is to help these companies accelerate their ideas by learning more about what it takes to be a successful business person. And so we're going to be working hard on that. And that's just one small example of what's going to be uh, needed to really get this thing kick-started in a way that differentiates us from the competition. Okay. Very good. Great answers. Let's, let's move on to question number three. And Joyce, we may have a little bit of time. We might have, depending upon uh, responses here. I'd like for Hal to take first crack at this one. Um, Pete, Brett, and then Bob. Um, what are the top challenges you expect for economic growth in our region? Is there anything else that you've not talked about that you would like to add? What are the top challenges you expect for economic growth? How would you lead, please? Yes, I'd be happy to. I went to a uh, focus group put on by an economic developer about a year ago. And the individual was a consultant who was talking with people in the room about things that could be done to kind of prime the pump of the economy here locally. And I gave my spiel about the Roanoke Innovation Corridor and our excitement about that and our, and our uh, desire to grow commercial enterprise near the Virginia Tech Carillion site and help entrepreneurs uh, develop their skills so that we could uh, grow our own companies and attract other companies, particularly in the biotech and tech sector. And at the conclusion of the uh, session, the consultant said, you know, wow, that, that idea you have is the same idea about 5,000 other communities around the United States have, you know. And so I felt like immediately uh, going back and just jumping in the fetal position and watching some TV. But, but then I thought, what would you all do? And, and nobody in business who would take that attitude would succeed for very long because we have to be able to compete. In, just in Virginia, we've got the uh, Virginia Commonwealth has a research park. There's one in Prince William County. Uh, Innova just bought a 125-acre park uh, formerly owned by Exxon. Virginia Beach is promoting an economic development biotech uh, park. Blacksburg's got the Corporate Research Center. So just in Virginia, then you add to the national scene, there is a real predominant uh, market share in San Francisco, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and New York City, particularly for the biotech industries. And people that provide venture capital, encourage those companies to locate where the money is. And, and so we, we do have a lot of competition. So the person who made that comment that there's 5,000 other communities doing the same thing, there's some truth to that. It's not going to be an easy thing. But I think that the types of things that uh, Pete has done in branding the outdoor uh, amenities here, the same things we're going to have to do from a life sciences and, and biotech perspective. We're going to have to put more uh, meat into the Roanoke Innovation Corridor, and we will because this is a very long-term initiative, a very long-term play. It's going to take years to develop the th types of things that we need to develop in the, in the biotech community, but I believe that we can do that. It will take some branding. It'll take some investment because our competitors are out there with slick materials, videos. Uh, I went to a conference in uh, Virginia Beach. There were three economic development people just there focusing on their, on their biotech center, and I went to one uh, in Gaithersburg, Maryland with the National Capital Region, and the same thing. They were all there in spades. And we don't yet, we're not, we're, we're still getting started. We're not there yet, but we'll have to get there in order to be competitive. Pete? Yeah, I mean, like you said, 5,000 communities competing for the, the same story. Um, and I think that's what we have to do is we have to break through that. You know, we have to be able to tell our story and, and tell it well. 
Um, one of the challenges that I see is, again, focusing on the talent aspect, but is our aging population. Um, you might not realize it, but we're an older community. Uh, our median age is 42.9. Uh, whereas the national, av national median in 2015 was 37.8. Uh, <clears throat> so some companies look at that. They look at the average age year and how that translates into the availability of their workforce. So again, that translates into our need to focus on that talent attraction. You know, we have 25 colleges within an hour radius of here. You know, we need to retain them, keep them here, uh, get them to stay here. And there's lots of things that lead up into that, you know, but creating those clusters and, those, and the desire. But you know, the vitality uh, of the community is a distinguisher. You know, everybody's had, you know, remember back when you were graduating college, you had that short list of communities where you wanted to move. You wanted to live there because it was a cool place to live. You know, we need to get our region on that same list so that people want to move here and they find their jobs once they're here. And then the other, that's all I have actually. I'm gonna save the rest oh, okay. for the next one. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna pick up on the theme of competitiveness. Um, one of the things that is important in our industry is, is how you measure competitiveness. Um, and in economic development, we traditionally measure it by uh, some of the things we've already talked about. Do, do you have enough sites and buildings? What does your economic development incentive look like? What is your power and water situation? Um, in manufacturing today, it is just far more complex. And I'll tell you just a, a short story of how complex. About two years ago, maybe 18 months ago, Actually, our board took a look at all the national rankings that you're all probably familiar with. Virginia has slid off of the top 10 rankings in just about all of them. Um, not necessarily all of them because of something we did wrong. It's just that everyone ate our lunch around us because they got hungry faster. Um, that's the reality of where you're at. You can't sit still anymore uh, because every state and every country wants to compete and have what we have. So um, we decided that the metrics were really inadequate to tell the story of manufacturing competitiveness, what a state or a region could do. So we engaged in about uh, an 18-month process. We uh, have now rolled out um, through about 15 separate statewide meetings some evaluation of 46 separate metrics in five categories to determine manufacturing competitiveness. And this has shocked people to see that we've had to go to this detail to really understand. But the point of this is we'll probably actually end up after the research at about 52 metrics in five categories. And we'll be publishing those results in July. We did this because there is no single solution to being competitive. It is a silver buckshot, not a silver bullet. It is a silver buckshot solution. And once people finally understand that, that, it, that there's no magic. You, you, it's not one building. It's not one mega site. It's not one incentive. Um, it is really a holistic approach that is going to make us competitive. And then as a state, and then once people see us for that investment, whether it's a company and people get shocked to hear that manufacturers actually compete one facility against another within the same company, that's really not done anywhere else. But we do that regularly. We eat our own. Um, so you, you've got to be cognizant of, of all the competitive factors. And we've identified about, like I said, uh, we first round 46, there'll probably be 52. And we'll measure that annually. We'll give it to the regions. And then hopefully we'll have regional analysis so we can start making those measurable improvements on an annual basis to get back in the game. Fred, I hope that you will be able to share some of those measures and metrics with us. And I, I think that that could probably um, be a a clean walk to other industry sectors as well. Bob, do you have some concluding remarks for that question, please? 
Sure, I, I think my fellow panelists have addressed this very well. Uh, I would add that we've been talking about competitiveness and the need to grow, and I firmly believe that a community has to continue to develop and grow, or it will become a very aging community. Its young people will leave, and ultimately its economy crumbles in on itself. I've seen this worldwide, it's well documented, it happens. Uh, the challenge to that is I would bet outside of this room, maybe you know, some people in this room, don't see growth as a good thing. Communities often push back on a lot of the push for growth, and sometimes for very valid reasons. And I think the success you've seen to keep, to keep that going, you have to keep those opposing forces or bring some, some level of agreement on what type of growth is good growth for Roanoke and keep the energy and the support of everyone behind that. Is it's very easy uh, to become very polarized and there's a, very, there's a group that is all about growth and a group that's all about stay, stand still and the other communities will go past you while you're fighting over yourselves. So uh, build that consensus, be inclusive. It has to be growth that is positive for the most people possible. It has to be inclusive of all communities and all income levels. That's a very difficult challenge, but when it's successful, I think those are the communities that you see moving past us currently. Thank you, Bob. One final question. Many of you have addressed this in your answers, so there may be some, uh, a, a different opinion or a different perspective that you have not shared with us. Let's, let's take some, give some advice to those that are in our audience today. What can the business community do to move the needle in the right direction toward collective success in our region? Now, I think you have alluded to it, but there might be other things you wish to add. Pete, Brett, Hal, and Bob, what can we do collectively? Well, you know, as Bob said, sustained you know, growth is a long-term play, um, and it takes vision and patience. There's a great editorial in the paper, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, uh, talking about Franklin County and how they were uh, acquiring that 550 acres and the patience it takes. And as a community, we have to have patience with that. Uh, the same thing with the Botetourt County and the Greenfield uh, Center where uh, Ballast Point is, is, is locating and Eldor. Uh, those were 20-year plays, you know, investing, getting the land ready, and, uh, and basically being patient for the right project. Uh, so I think you guys knowing that, that it's a, it's a long-term slow uh, game is, is really important. And um, I always reference a study called the uh, Knight Soul of the Community Study, and that's Knight with a K. <clears throat> and it was done by the Gallup, uh, the same people that do the Gallup poll. And it basically determines how sticky a community is. And what that means by sticky is how much we like where we live so basically, the more we like where we live and work, the more sticky it is. And it was a, it studied 26 communities over five years, and, and the correlation between the economic growth that those communities experienced boiled down to three, three kind of categories. One was uh, the openness of the community, so how tolerant a community is to different viewpoints, different uh, you know, backgrounds, ethnicities, religions, you know, things like that. The aesthetics of the community, so how pretty it is. The open space, the green space, the lakes, the rivers, the mountains, all of that stuff. And then the third was the opportunities for social gatherings. And that's basically a roundabout way of saying opportunities for people to meet other like-minded people, to basically meet your tribe, find those people that you jive with, set your roots. It's clusters. That's going to help with, you know, our, you know, business, you know, incubators starting up, different people like that, being able to meet other people that share the same interests. And then 
that, in my mind, translates over to what my ask of you all is. And the bottom line is to be, you know, cheerleaders. You know, when we as a community are telling that collective story, our story is leveraged and it reaches further. Um, and that's, that's really important. Uh, so many people really have no clue um, anything about us as a region. You know, they've never heard of us. I travel to trade shows out west, and when I first started going to them five, six years ago, uh, people thought we were the lost island off the coast of North Carolina, or we are truly an actual suburb of D.C. <clears throat> so people really have to learn. That's changed now. Now when I change, we have this image. I always like to say it's not that we had a bad image. We just didn't have an image as a community, and now we do. So I think going forward, finding ways to tap into our local resources, our newsletters that are out there, being informed uh, of all the different initiatives, like RAMP, the Business Accelerator, the Broadband Initiative, uh, that Regional Industrial Facilities Authority that I was mentioning, uh, the, all the stuff that's happening at Carillion with the Research Institute, things happening at Explore Park, being aware of those and being able to champion and be ambassadors for everything positive happening in the region uh, goes a long way. So I encourage you to find ways to tap into those. Uh, our office, we have two newsletters that we put out. Um, one is more economic development in a traditional sense. Uh, comes out quarterly, and then the other is a weekly outside newsletter that basically shows you what's in your backyard and how to connect with it. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing, is really tapping into those resources and, and, and being, being uh, ambassadors for the region. I hope you all are taking notes. I think we just had a little bit of a formula for success uh, was shared with us. Brett, would you, would you take a chance at this, please? Sure. So, so my next article I'm going to write is going to be called How to Be a Sticky Tribe. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Exactly. We have another lost one. Very good. Um, I, I'll... I should probably have some uh, broad, conceptual, inspirational uh, closing comment, but I'm more of a practical person, and, and, and here's my suggestion, and I say this everywhere I go. Um, you know, this is a large region. Um, the manufacturing sector from Roanoke all the way down to Tennessee and North Carolina is about 900 companies. Um, when you look in the audience of any meeting I go to, and I'm just going to speak about my, my uh, sector, um, very little participation. We have a lot of visitors in Virginia. Um, they like, they came here for the quality of life. They came here for the resources, the supply chain, and they don't invest in the community. Um, that's not something I'm proud of. Um, it's something that we're going to try to change as a, as a sector. But I would say my challenge to you is whether it is a manufacturer um, or an IT company or a biotech company or a medical supply company, if they're not a member of your regional chamber and not, they're not invested in your workforce, in your community development, you need to be aggressive with them and ask why. There should be no free riders in the future if we are going to compete and win. And I believe that firmly. That's not, that's not an invitation we sure would like you to be. That is a why aren't you here today? We need you to help us steer the future. And I think that when we get more aggressive with folks that came here for a reason, they will make more investments here for a reason. A must do and not shall do. Very good. Great. Hal? Yes, I just wanted to amplify the cheerleader comment there. Uh, I, I moved to Roanoke 18 months ago, and I can say that uh, the experience of people who work at Virginia Tech Carillion and are involved with Virginia Tech and Carillion both is that the community is very excited about what's going on there. We sense that, we feel that, and it gives us an inspiration to do even more and be even more successful. 
And that is really important for people that visit us because they pick up on that. You know, there's, there, there is definitely a vibe of what's, about what's going on here, and you can see that things are going to get better over time. And the second thing is just, to, again, to say you all are business people, you have experience, and that's valuable as we are in our process of commercializing and helping companies grow in the area. Your experience is going to be very beneficial to what we're trying to do at Virginia Tech and Carillion. Uh, and the RAMP program, we need mentors. We need people who have the experience that you have. And so the potential to connect the talents that you have with what we have going on is, is, is there and could be very much a difference maker. Bob? Okay, well, I'll try to be inspirational, which isn't my strong point, so bear with me. Uh, originally, as I've said, I'm from outside this area. Originally, I come from Oklahoma, so I consider Oklahoma City to be a, a hometown. And for, if anybody has been there or lived there, uh, if I offend you, sorry, but it's true. When I, when I lived in Oklahoma City, it was basically a decaying cow town. Oklahoma City had been a big oil boom town at one point in time. Houston took all of the corporate headquarters. Most of the oil boom, the bus that had come back in the 80s, uh, had uh, all left the city. Uh, if anybody's familiar with Oklahoma weather, it's basically a contact sport. This isn't a people... That people don't go there for the weather, um, unless you're a storm chaser. Uh, it's a crossroads of two major interstates. There's no major natural feature that is all that attractive. Uh, that town, uh, the other major city in Oklahoma, Tulsa, at one point in time in the 80s, Tulsa had half the population and an equal total G uh, gross product, equal amount of money produced for half the population. Uh, in the past few years, Oklahoma City has become... Uh, one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. Not in the region, not, not in Oklahoma, Texas, in the country. Uh, they moved to the top 10 position. They built a, in the downtown area, they revitalized a major hotel. They built a 50-story skyscraper, the largest in the area. Uh, next largest one being in Houston. Uh, they took, in the middle of a Dust Bowl city, a braided stream that is, looks nothing like the beautiful rivers in Virginia, and turned it into a river walk that rivals what you can find in uh, Texas. Uh, they took an old neighborhood known as Bricktown that when I was in Oklahoma, you would not find yourself in after dark. It was a dangerous, well-known, decaying neighborhood, the traditional, classic, wrong side of the tracks neighborhood. That neighborhood today is among the highest renting apartments in the state. It is a uh, restaurant and brewery and a place to go shopping day and night. Uh, it was a long, difficult path. It was somewhat helped fueled by economic by a resurgence in the oil industry. But it took a highly disciplined group of people with a very, very clear vision, a long time to build that against a lot of opposition because not everybody likes the idea of development and change. But uh, tremendously successful. Now their challenge is, how do you stay there and not fall behind again? But if they can do it with the beauty here in the Blue Ridge in this area, it should be a lot easier. Very good. Very good. Well, I don't think we have time for, for questions. I think, uh, I think the dinner bell is ringing and lunch is calling us. Um, let us give, uh, please, your expertise has been very valuable to us today. So. Bob, Pete, Brett, and Hal, thank you very much. <laughs>